You're listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live, with your hosts, Eric Provoznik, Tim Culver, Marty Zamora, and Christine Leninger. Hi, this is Tom Gleason. You're listening to All Over the Place, where the fun sanity never ends. Hey, 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 welcome back to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. Very excited to be working on the show tonight. Working, it's this isn't work, it's playtime. But we have a special guest with us uh, from early in the sea, uh, early in the all over the place season. Christian Toto stopped by, and we're talking movies tonight. So, Christian, thanks for joining us for our little countdown tonight. My pleasure. This uh, this is a loaded year. I had no idea. You know, sometimes you have to kind of go into the wayback machine to figure out which years are really kind of magical. And I, I always think of the '80s as being the great years for movies, but man, '99 is. '90s had some good ones thank, too, thank and that's going to segue us into. First, I'm going to welcome uh, in as well Jim Culver and Marty Zamora. Welcome, gentlemen. As we discuss tonight, as Christian alluded to, we are going to be going over our top three movies from 1999. A very strong year that a lot of us. Had trouble narrowing down to three, so there'll mm-hmm. be some honorable mentions, some dishonorable mentions, and uh, we had a uh, there's a caveat as well. We're gonna have our three, and there's also we're gonna talk about a movie or the movie that has aged the least gracefully <laughs> since 1999. So there's our topic for tonight here on All Over the Place Three Fur, and Christian, I'm gonna throw to you first as our guest. Yeah, gosh, you know um, it's. One of the interesting things about 1999 is that terrific year, great movies. And I'm looking at my list and kind of checking things out. A lot of them I've only seen once. And that's really odd for me because I love to watch movies again and again. But I think the ultimate you only see it once movie for me is The Sixth Sense. You know, once you know the, the twist, the wrinkle, the big shock, as good as that movie is, it feels like to go back to it is almost doesn't work. And, and I know you can go back and appreciate the acting and the performances and, and the different elements of it. But to me, that that Bruce Willis movie is so good, so strong. I almost think like I don't need to see it again. I, I like the fact that it was a one time only experience. But, you know, it, a movie so good that they dubbed M. Night Shyamalan, the director, the next Spielberg. And then realize what a curse that was. But, well, uh, that didn't quite. Well, had some promise with, uh, you know, Unbreakable and then things. Sure. Well, didn't <laughs> Let's just say weren't that Spielbergian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe the next Fred Smith. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it's a terrific film. And, you know, I, I think that Bruce Willis is one of those actors who can be special and wonderful and remarkable. And sometimes he'll phone it in. And I think this was a case where he was dialed in completely. And uh, and I also I think one of the things about M. Night Shyamalan is he's a great child director of children stars. Mm-hmm. I think Haley Joel Osment is such a... a, a wonderful performance here. And I just think that all you look at his entire career, even when he's doing badly behind the camera, he's always been really had an affinity with kid actors. And that matters. Very true. Very true. Well, there and Christian, are you going to be doing like three, two, one, or is that one, two, three? It doesn't matter here because it's all over the place. The rules write themselves. Yeah. We make it up as we go along a lot. You know, I'm going to give it like a sort of my three best and I, I might even kind of juggle them. What's number one in no particular so, order. Yeah, me. exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. You know, and this one I actually did watch it just a few weeks ago, Election. It's a great comedy. It's got wonderful performances. It's smart. It's bitter. It's It just has a lot of everything you want in movies. And I, th- I feel like you don't see these kind of movies anymore. Obviously, it's a, an election set in high school. Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick. 
just really strong stuff. And I think the parallels to, you know, high school life versus reality, uh, the way the political system works and always has worked, it, it just it just kind of connects on so many different levels. And I think it's powerful. And it's, and it's definitely one you could watch again and again and draw something new and fresh out of it each time. And, and was then, that, that was America's introduction, at least on the popular level, to Alexander Payne, the director, right? Absolutely. You know, he's stalled in recent years, but I believe he had about Schmidt. I think he had uh, the, Dep the Descendants and, of course, Sideways. I just that's a that's a great run of movies. And I, I think his last one or two have just been unsuccessful, to say the least. But, uh, yeah, good note. And uh, I, I wish we had more voices like that who are more consistent and more, you know, uh, directors you could look forward to making great films again and again and again. And uh, I think there's a, there's a paucity of, of, a, of filmmakers like that right now. Yeah. And then before I get to my, my third one, which is going to be pretty obvious, I just want to give some love to, to Deep Blue Sea, which came out this year, <laughs> that year. Rennie Harlan was the director. And, you know, he hasn't done a lot lately. And he was more of a kind of more of a generic action director at the time. But he really nails that film. It's a, it's a Jaws shark movie, but it knows exactly what it is. It has no pretension. It's a B movie. Good performances and great share uh, scares, and I, I just it's, it, that's one I just love to watch again and again every few years. So not a great movie, not a classic, but I just thought it's pretty wonderful. That's something from '99, yeah. And uh, before you get to your number one, actually, we're going to round robin it, and we're going to we'll say, but we're going to see this. Is, I like what Christian's done here, guys. Where we're going to do name two instead of going around in one one one. Mm -hmm. So uh, so any other honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions for you, Christian? Before I I, I throw it Jim's <laughs> way. You know, Bowfinger is a wonderful film from that year. Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy. I, I, I feel like either Hollywood eventually let Murphy down or maybe he just didn't want to pick the best movies. I, I just feel like the, the second half of his career has been so disappointing. I really disliked Coming to America. I thought it was a terrible sequel. But this was just a home run. And it's such a, you know, I think there's been a lot of parodies of Hollywood looking behind the scenes, making fun of what happens. But this one just felt fresh. And and not angry, but biting in a way. And I love that ele those elements about it. So that's another one that's just a, a, a good example. Not a great movie, but very good and certainly worth mentioning from that year. Again, a chock full year of great movies. And just quickly with Eddie Murphy, yeah. I mean, especially coming to America so soon after I thought what I thought was a great comeback for him. And I don't want to call it a comeback, but just my name is Dolomite. Yes. Was so good. Yep. And so for coming to America, just so much promise. And well, I wish I had more hands where so I could give him more thumbs down. That's right. Yeah. And you know, with after Dolomite, I thought Eddie's back. Hollywood knows what to do with him. I think there's going to be a, a renaissance of his stuff. And then this came out. I was like, oh, that was so disappointing. But, you know, I, I think picking The Matrix as, as one of the best movies of 99 is obvious. It, it's not subtle, but, you know, it, it goes without saying. It reinvented the action movie. It established this this whole landscape, this whole world, which we're still talking about today. Iconic performances, you know, Keanu Reeves proving yet again he doesn't really need to act or have sophisticated dialogue to be to be memorable. Of course, you know, the John Wick movies took it from there. But just it did so many things. It did so many things right. Another movie where the fourth film in that in that saga was just so forgettable and and came and went without a whimper. And it's a shame, but, you know, and I think even two and three had their moments, but The Matrix is a wonderful film. It's just, it's a 
movies changed a little bit after that movie came out. It's, I, I don't think you can debate that. No argument for me. And uh, although I'm not, you know what, we're just going to move on because I, okay. I, I, I'm, I just certain things overlap. I'm not going to say which one. So I'm going to throw it over to Jim. Hit it, my man. All right. So we're doing all three in a row, right? Yeah. Well, throw honorable mentions and dishonorable little quirky ones <laughs> along okay. the way. Well, I'm going to start out by, by saying uh, that I have actually rewatched the sixth sense several times and it, it holds up really well in rewatching. So uh, if, if you get the chance to check it out, even knowing the twist, uh, it's actually really interesting to watch with that in mind and seeing mm-hmm. how well Shyamalan crafted that movie together. But uh, anyway, and that is one of my uh, honorable mentions. So, uh, so I'm going to go, yeah, I'll go ahead and do my, I'm going to go three, two, one on mine. Uh, so my number three is going to be the green mile, uh, which I thought was an absolutely Excellent. brilliant drama. Uh, by uh, by Frank Darabont, who also did the Shawshank Redemption, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it's really uh, it's really aged well. And I think the reason is because it's a period piece; it's timeless, and because it's it's got some really universal themes. Uh, you know, they always you know, there's there's a constant refrain now that well, they couldn't make that movie today, but I think you actually could make the Green Mile today. But the problem is they wouldn't make it the way Frank Darabont made it. It would be a it would be the story would be changed to make it all about race or white supremacy or, or something like that. Uh, there wouldn't ha- they wouldn't have these universal themes uh, and these religious themes about human nature and kind of the good and bad in us. And, and uh, you know, I think that uh, the way it explores those themes in this, in this kind of epic story that spans so many years is really brilliant. Um, and just in general, a beautiful film. Uh I, it, I I put it number three be, on my list because uh, it's it's a really intense watch, and so I haven't gone back and rewatched it too many times. But um, I think as far as dramas go from that year, it's probably uh, tippy top. Uh, it's really a brilliant film, and uh, and it's one of those that I think is going to be timeless and and keep being discovered throughout generations. So uh, so yeah, that's my number three. I think it's uh, uh, it's interesting that most Tom Hanks movies. Not most. A lot of times he has to carry the movie. And in that one, it just wasn't it wasn't the case. Everybody was just really brilliant in that. No. And I mean Michael Clark Duncan's performance was just absolutely beautiful. It just knocked it just knocked him off the screen uh and uh, made his career. So uh yeah, just uh and you know, really the entire ensemble's performance uh in, in, in that movie was great. So um so yeah that's that that I think is a great one and, and that's my number three. Uh my number two is uh is a movie that kind of came and went and then kind of got got a cult following after that uh and that's Galaxy Quest. Uh so that one is you know I remember going to see it in theater and thinking it was Love a really it. funny comedy. It was the best thing I'd ever seen Tim Allen do. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh and just a great parody of, of Star Trek and their fans. Um, and, and also very, very surprisingly nice towards Star Trek fans uh, for a Hollywood production. Uh, and, but didn't really think much of it, but it, it really grew this kind of cult following all on its own after that, which is interesting because it's kind of spoofing the idea of a cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it really got famous and, and uh, yeah, it's one of those you can, you can watch over and over again. And it's always just, just a fun, entertaining, uh, and really warm-hearted movie uh, that that any sci-fi fan I think can 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 find some kinship with. Uh, and and what's really funny about it is 
these days Star Trek has gotten so off base from what it used to be that that something like Galaxy Quest feels more like Star Trek than Star Trek <laughs> does. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely my number two. Uh, Good choice, Jim. Did they make a documentary about that film? They did. I okay. can't remember what it's called right now, but it's on it's on Amazon Prime. I watched that a while back. It's really entertaining. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember one of the and it is it's about kind of how that how that following grew over the years. And mm-hmm. uh, but I think my favorite part of it is the, the Star Trek actors talking about how they went and saw it in the theater. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think it was I want to say it was either Brent Spiner or um, or uh, the actor who played Riker who saw it first and then started calling all his co-stars and saying, go see this, go see this right now and dragging them into the theater to see it. Um, and, and their, their reaction was all the same, which is why didn't we ever do this ourselves? Why didn't we ever make this as a Star Trek movie? Because the concept is so brilliant. Um, so uh, yeah, but yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, it's a good documentary. If, it's, if you get a chance, it's worth checking out. And I wish I could remember the name of it, but um, yeah. So yeah, galaxy quest number two, um, my number one is another comedy that has uh, built up quite a uh, cult following over the years. Um, probably easy to guess, but Office Space. <laughs> um, so I went and saw that uh, in the theater when I was, I think I was 19. Um, and there was maybe two other people in the theater. Uh, the movie completely bombed. I think it only had like th- made like three million dollars the opening weekend. Almost nobody saw it. Um, but you know, I was so I was I was still basically a teenager, but I'd worked in a few offices already, and and so I got all the jokes, and uh, I just I, mean, I just realized this movie is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I don't I don't to this day I don't know what possessed me to go see it because the, the trailer for it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a single good joke in the trailer for for whatever reason, which is probably why it bombed. But uh, anyway. But yeah, I, I saw it and absolutely loved it. And I was like, "This is there's nothing else like this out there." The way it, the way it uh, pilfers office life, um, just absolutely brilliant. So I uh, went back and started telling people about it, and I couldn't convince anybody to go see it with me. <laughs> but, but then it came out on DVD and became a cult hit. And six months later, people were like, "Like you should go see this Office Space movie that we saw." I'm like, "Yeah, no kidding." <laughs> You know, so, what's, what's funny about that is I don't think it's aged badly. I think the no. core elements of the story still work. The the corporate atmosphere is still relevant. And I think because it's 20 plus years old now, it should be dated just because so much has changed. It may be the last couple with Zoom and things like that. But right. I, I feel like you can watch it now and get it. And of course, it's still great in many ways. But it, it seemed ripe to be old and dusty. But I, I don't think it is. I, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's really one of those movies that people never get tired of that o- that's always getting rediscovered and mm. and rewatched. And it's it's obviously become just iconic in the, in the pop culture. Uh, you know, you can quote the movie to just about anybody and they'll get the references <laughs> to yeah. it. Um, but, uh, you know, because I think anybody who's had to work in that environment recognizes the satire, which and, and how mm. true it is. Yeah. Um, most, you know, most movies that will will portray office office culture is very uh cartoonish and very over the top and not realistic but uh but you know mike judge really stuck with realism there and and that's why i think it it uh became it's such a, a timeless movie for people so um uh, and it's just really funny hmm. too so uh yeah so and i of course i've seen it you know many many times and i never get tired of it so so that's my number one um uh, and my honorable mentions, 
let's see, the Matrix has been mentioned. Bowfinger has been mentioned. Uh, Sixth Sense. The only other honorable mention that I would I would throw out there is Magnolia, which I think is uh, far and away Paul Thomas Anderson's best movie. I think it's an absolutely brilliant movie. It's not perfect. Um, I think there's a few a few things I did about about it I didn't like. Like Julianne Moore's character is basically just in hysterics for the entire movie, mm-hmm. and got it got old real quick. But uh, but the movie as a whole is just absolutely brilliant, and 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 I and I absolutely love it. So um, I'm not a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan, but I think that is a, a brilliant movie. So I think he's overrated. And I think yeah. his I think his movies are getting weaker, but I completely agree. It's a great movie. All right. Well, then, Marty, we're going to switch over to you. Whatever order you want to go in, honorable mentions at any point. Uh, well, uh, since we've had a, a a couple of overlaps here already, which uh, you know, there's some at the at the tippy top that it's just going to happen. Yep. So. Uh, um, my third was Office Space, and uh, a couple of things about that. Uh, not just the fact that it was um, it, it had a great cast of people. There was one little idiosyncratic joke after another. There was little things all over the place, little things that were said. And I, man, it. <laughs> anyone who's worked in an office, you know, and you said it before. Um, uh, I thought uh, David Herman was, you know, he's hilarious. He's, I don't, I don't know why he didn't become, I thought he was really going to become something more than he did. But if there was just so many people all the way down the cast that didn't even have a big role, but really added to it, uh, gave it a lot of, a lot of depth when, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, if you're sitting in an office, you can do that movie with 12 people, mm-hmm. you know, just, do a crappy version, but they really didn't. They made sure even the small characters had good things to say. Uh, uh, Paul Wilson, I mean, that was, <laughs> he was great. Uh, so I, that, that was my number three. And uh, the, my number one is the matrix. We, we all know, uh, you know, we've, we, we've talked about it. Um, the invention of the freeze frame 360 thing. And now it's in, you know, <laughs> well, every, every hackney uh, movie you can find every action movie but because it's a great effect it, it really was and uh uh a little uh shout out to trinity uh that movie managed to make a a girl who was not pretty very hot <laughs> and that's that's hard to pull off it's hard to pull off but she she was very hot without being pretty uh and i thought it it was good it was good to see an action movie like that with with people that were actually, you know, acting, they were, I mean, uh, you know, let's, let's face it. It wasn't, you know, some sort of cinematic masterpiece, but boy, I'll tell you, it, it changed a lot of things. And I really, can any of you prove that that's not what's really going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually becoming more culturally relevant since it came out. I mean, yeah. I feel like we talk about think- it almost as much now as we did in 99. I think it's called uh, called a uh, hard solipsism. I mean, you, you know, it's uh, the theory that you cannot prove that you're not a brain in the jar. Mm-hmm. There's no way to prove it's not true. <laughs> um, right. So the one that was touched on lightly, that was my second one is fight club. Uh, I mean, so much. We, so we had a, we had two big, uh, you know, 
at the end, oh my God, you know, and those are with, uh, I think Fight Club, I, that one I think was done a little better, even though, you know, even though I think Bruce Willis was brilliant and that whole thing worked out really well. I just, I liked how the Fight Club, you started getting clues and then it would sort of take you off that, you'd start sniffing onto the path yeah. that maybe it was him. And then it would, it would pull you back away from that. And you go, I don't know, man, I guess not, you know, because of this and that. And then, you know, right back down that path again. It was just done so well. I love that movie. Um, watched it many, many, many times. Uh, really, really brilliantly done. I feel like a lot of modern movies, when they have a big twist, a big surprise, when that happens, more often than not, I look back at the last 20, 30 minutes or more, and I think, no, I don't quite get that, or I don't think they set that up. But with those two movies, when you watch it the first time, you think, oh, yeah, oh, now I get. Like It just seemed to really work in an organic way, as opposed to a, a clever screenwriter trying to you know, shake things up in the third act. I just think it, it just, everything falls into place as you're watching it. And then as your mind reels back the action, you think, oh yeah, 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 that it does make sense. And that's, that's beautiful. And, and the way it was shot was brilliant. Very gritty looking through the whole, you know, the, I had a thought uh, the first couple of times watching it, it was almost like you could smell the movie. Like it was, <laughs> It had a dirtiness to it. You wouldn't it. want it, to, it, but it you could. Good. <laughs> it was really good. Um, there's a couple of honorable mentions. Um, uh, well, well, I got about, I don't know, 15 honorable mentions. But um, one that I really liked uh, was Detroit Rock City. It was on my fun list. It was just a, a dumb fun, teenagers running around, getting into a stupid adventure. Mm -hmm. But I smiled through the whole thing. I mean, it was just... It, it, was, it was much better than I thought it would be. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my teenage years looked similar to that, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just, it was fun. And um, I have a guilty pleasure one, too, which you none of you have probably seen. Um, I was never a, a big wrestling fan, but when my kids were growing up, um, especially my oldest, he liked it a lot. We went to a couple events, and we watched wrestling. So um, Beyond the Mat, which was a documentary done, about pro wrestling behind the scenes. I and forgot all oh, about that, but that's a great movie. It is a good documentary, yeah. What a dirty life. What a, <laughs> I mean, it showed you just how bad that, I mean, you got to really want it, these guys. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that because these are all the people of my son's age that, you know, that they were all famous when I was <laughs> watching it with him. And boy, oh boy. And yeah, it was done really well. The guy, who, the guy who did it was really good. I believe Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler was inspired by jake the snake roberts scenes in that movie Ooh. yeah yeah which were um, oof, man. yeah brutal <laughs> absolutely brutal Jesus. that guy oof. but yeah. i mean you uh, you watch how they live you know they talk about how they live and you're not surprised at all that that's the way it was <laughs> you know what 280 days a year on the road and it's a rough life it's like a carny so that was my uh, guilty pleasure one. And, of course, uh, The Phantom Menace, because I'm a Star Wars guy. I, you know, Even though it wasn't very good, it was goddamn Star Wars. So I, liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first saw that, some of my friends were, were so into Star Wars, and they were so hungry for a new story. They were like, oh, that was good. That was good. Then you talked to them a couple of years later, like, yeah, that wasn't that was good. Yeah. But then Attack of the yeah. Clones came out, and you said, okay, actually, you know, Phantom Menace wasn't that bad. 
<laughs> lowered expectations. With each that's right. and, and that's what pissed me off. You started to lower the expectations on Star Wars movies to the point where people are even saying that they can the latest one, like the seven, eight, and nine. Oh, it's Star Wars. So it's it's still Star Wars. I'm like, mm, no, no. Barely. <laughs> In name only. That's right. Uh, by the way, there was a there was a, a movie uh, fanboys. Oh, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> the one line, what if it sucks? <laughs> Later on, we're like, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see a movie called The People versus George Lucas? Yes. It's a good film. I, I know the filmmaker a little bit. It was very, I mean, it's dated now because we've had so much Star Wars product, but it was a very interesting, the love hate going on with George mm -hmm. and the fans and they should make a sequel. <laughs> All right. Well, versus well, Kathleen Kennedy. That's, right. that's, that's one I'd watch. <laughs> I, I would crowdfund that one in a heartbeat. You and me oh both, my man. Gosh. I hope someone's right. listening to this because that, that's, that's gold. Let me tell you, that is, that is bloody gold. <laughs> well, you know the All guy. Right, Eric. To him, and you know. Yeah, I... Jim. Jim, we'll get you an associate producer credit on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember right. how they threw things around in Hollywood. That's You'll right. get an associate producer. He might get hunted down in Hollywood circles, but it would be worth it. I think. <laughs> what, what's that line from the movie State in Maine? Uh, what's an associate producer credit? It's what you give your secretary instead of a raise. <laughs> 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 Gotta love that David Mamet dialogue. Oh, that's great. All right, All right Eric, what do you got? No, no, we're going to throw it Christine's direction now. We're going to bring back the lady who we, we call Glue. And other, <laughs> yes, there you go. And I, I was I successfully predicted two out of her three. <laughs> and uh, but I'm, to you, Christine, go. Okay. Well, um, okay, I guess I will start with my third one, which somebody already mentioned a little bit. Um, and before I start, like, me going to the movies, I want to laugh. I want to think. I like to be challenged, like psycho thriller type drama sort of things, okay? Um, so my first one, um, Election. It was just so fun. I love Reese Witherspoon. She's like the younger sister that I never had. And um, Matthew Broderick in that one. And, you know, like Christian said earlier, um, you know, with the the um, the whole drama around the high school election thing, it was just it was so fun, and I was giggling through the whole mm -hmm. entire thing. It was awesome. Um, and then uh, my next one also was already mentioned, um, but for me, um, this one, M Night Shyamalan with the Sixth Sense, it was just like a new type of movie that was just you know it was just fresh and it it made you think, and it you didn't really know what was happening the whole time. And then when you watched it and you were going back and trying to almost retrace your path in it, it was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this totally makes sense. And so it was a really neat kind of um, more of a psychological type movie. But that being said, and Eric already guessed it. Um, wait, let me hold up. Let me hold up mm -hmm. on that before I get to my top movie. I'm mm -hmm. kind of breezing through. So let me slow mm -hmm. down. And I'll talk about some of the other movies that I um, was really struggling with because I'm a Chicago girl. <laughs> so I was teetering between the sixth sense and being John Malkovich. I mean, Malkovich, Malkovich, come on. And hmm. I went to the same college as John Malkovich my freshman year. I loved this movie. It's quirky as all get out. Um, I just, I struggled between this one and Sixth Sense just because it was so 
freaking quirky and I love quirky movies and it just it was fun and weird and um just kind of made you think and I mean come on John Cusack he was like the boyfriend every girl wanted to have um but it was just a really neat interesting movie um my honorable mentions of course um I think somebody mentioned Bowfinger that was such a fun movie um, as far as comedies go, that one was awesome. Um, one of my dad's favorites, Galaxy Quest. Of course, American Pie came out that year, um, which was, you know, everybody knows Stifler's mom. And, <laughs> um, you know, Office Space quoted to all get out, right? Fight Club came out that year. I mean, it was just such a great year for movies. It was unbelievable, some of the movies that came out. But um, in the kid sector... Iron Giant, what a heartwarming movie. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I watched that movie with my kids when they were little. Um, just such a great movie. Dishonorable, Blair Witch is not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I remember when I saw that movie, I couldn't sleep with the lights out for probably a week because it was just so, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, honestly. I'm not afraid to say that, but it just was, it was weird and, and freaky, but I don't think it's aged well at all. But I do want to give it up for the bag from American Beauty. <laughs> the most beautiful, the most beautiful thing in the world. Of we course, were you know, well? like, yes. <laughs> you didn't mention there's going to be a star cameo in this podcast. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I've seen art, I've seen art um, installations that feature the bag, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think that movie has aged well either. It's just, cre just when you think back on it, the subject matter of it, you know, um, it's just, it hasn't aged at all. It's not a good, I mean, yes, when I saw it, I thought it was a very captivating movie, but I don't think that it's aged well at all. You can fight me on that one. Well, the pedophile got what was coming to him. <laughs> oh, well, he kind of did to himself, didn't he? <laughs> so what's a better actor? The bag from that movie, the feather from Forrest Gump, or the, the volleyball oh. in, uh, in Castaway? That's a great question. Oh, nice. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta go with Wilson, right? Come up with a future uh, top three here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that might be a future inanimate object. Or we could just <laughs> tangent for 20 minutes like we always do. <laughs> But in the essence of time, I will just get to my top movie. And Eric knows. I mean, this actually is probably my favorite. I, I it, Well, next to Big Fish is probably my favorite movie of all time, um, which, of course, came out in a different year. Uh, Magnolia is one of my top movies of all time. I just loved it. And um, as I mentioned the other day at launch... <laughs> Uh, I'm a huge Amy Mann fan also. And knowing that Paul Thomas Anderson was inspired by Amy Mann's music to make this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's just a bunch of vignettes of different, you know, characters struggling through life, trying to find meaning, trying to find love, trying to find resolution. Um, you know, there's the kid in the, um, the, uh, um, the trivia show and then the guy who's retiring from the trivia show, their story's interacting. There's the father, Jason Robards, and his last movie, um, and uh, Julianne Moore, and they're struggling in their relationship. There's Tom Cruise in a very uncharacteristic movie of his, 
being um, an early inspirational person. Respect the sea. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it because you know, we want to be. <laughs> uh, Eric hasn't seen it, so he doesn't know what that's all about. But <laughs> I, I, I know of that scene, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, pony, three a of the ponytail movies. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Top three movies you all have listed that I haven't seen yet, and Magnolia's on the top of that list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I love the movie. It's just, um, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about it, just because it's one of those movies that made me think, and it was weird, you know? I mean, please, it, the, um, the, um, the culmination of the movie and the randomness of it just doesn't make sense, but yet, that's how life is that's the world right and you got to watch it to see it because i don't want to spoil but it's just a neat <clears throat> neat movie by the way no one's mentioned analyze this which i think the sequel was rather mediocre but it's a very good movie a good comedy and i think that was part of robert uh, robert de niro's switch from straight ahead dramas to being a funny guy and while i think he's actually good in that position He's picked a lot, a lot of bad comedies in the last 10 years. So I feel I have mixed feelings about that transition because he was, I think as a dramatic actor, he was at a better batting average, but uh, that's a very good film. Billy Crystal, you know, yeah, therapy. Yeah. Gangster. Hilarious. Yeah. That Great was idea. one that I had to leave off because and <laughs> since I saw like uh, midnight run, that's where I knew that De Niro could do comedy. That's well. true. Yeah. But he got, he but got yeah, but straight on. Yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, analyze this is phenomenal. Yeah. At, at, but it's Hilarious just an amazingly movie. diverse, powerful, significant year in films. And I, you almost wonder like why it happened. I mean, I guess it's happenstance. You never know when a movie's going to come out. But just take off these titles. These are None of these are incons. In, you know, these are all significant pieces of work. It's just amazing. All right. Well, this brings us to me. And I'm going to, since in honor of our guest, Christian Toto, I, uh, his recent column, he talks about the dearth of comedies in today's landscape and how it just keep, it keeps going down and down. And I do want to, I'm going to shout out to check out Christian's uh, Hollywood and Toto website. In addition to his Hollywood and Toto po podcast, always great material every, everywhere on that one. And, and this, so in honor of that, I'm doing nothing but comedies okay. for this, for my list. Cause this, like we've been talking about this year is just chock full of everything. <laughs> and uh, the ones that have been mentioned already, galaxy quest, American pie, which is a bit of a morality tale. When you think of it. it's not, yes, it's raunchy, and yes, we've got to deal with the ones that kept getting raunchier and raunchier as that franchise deteriorated. But the first American Pie, just I thought it was a very well done film and just had, had a, a good message amongst the uh, the raunch. But an election, of course, great one. Uh, and my honorable mention, I want to mention The Big Tease, little independent movie. And it uh, was where I got to, uh, we all got to know Craig Ferguson as a funnier guy than what he just his small part that he had on The Drew Carey Show. Excellent film. He plays a um, a hairstylist, the big T's. And it's just Craig Ferguson has gone on to like do so much hilarity. And I still wish he had his late night show on. If you're looking for a host, Hollywood, you want to bring me back. You want to get me back to the Oscars. Have Craig Ferguson be the host. That guy, he picks on everybody. And it all started for me knowing how just how flipping fun he could be from uh, the big T's. That, that's my honorable mention. And for, and uh, I also want to say, all right, my number three is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. And we, we knew Trey and, and Matt were, could be funny on South Park, but South Park was still kind of young at that point. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I know I was, I was fortunate enough to like be uh, the 
working in Hollywood, the the tape, the tape, uh, the spirit of Christmas got passed around. I still have my VHS copy of that. <laughs> and then, but then to go from that little raw thing that the basic animation and then to go on the big screen and the songs, it's just hilarious. Love that. And they one. cut loose. They did not hold back. That oh, was man. really great. <laughs> and, and then we got to have Robin Williams drop an F-bomb singing Blame Canada on the Academy Awards the next year. So <laughs> it all worked out nicely. Uh, and my number two, and this could, this is in my top soundtracks of all time, maybe top five soundtracks, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Hmm. And you want to talk about a movie that could not, no, I hate it. It's just make the damn things. We've talked about that. But Drop Dead Gorgeous, politically incorrect to the nth degree. But for me, it's the best performances from Kirstie Alley, uh, Ellen Barkin playing a white trash mom, hilarious. And uh, of course, I blank on the, the uh, woman who uh, played her her neighbor and her cohort. She's gone on to, like, she was on uh, the West Wing. Oh, I hate when I blank on her name. Allison Jenny? Allison Jenny, yes, she uh, and it dropped it gorgeous. Oh my god! And uh, and I blank on every name now. Uh, so anyway, hilarious movie. But it's it, uh, Will Sasso plays a, a mentally challenged kid, uh, uh, the son of a, a hardware store owner. It's it's a documentary about a, a fake beauty pageant that takes place in Minnesota. So you've got Kiersey Alley unleashing a, a phenomenal Minnesota accent. <laughs> it's it's awesome. And a great supporting cast. And uh, yeah, check that one out if you haven't seen it. And, and the soundtrack. It's just, it's a good Midwestern. A, a very replacements-esque soundtrack without having the replacements on it. But you do have Joan Jett singing the Mary Tyler Moore theme, which is kick-ass. Really? That's my number two. And it has been brought up uh, by a few people. Uh, but my number one, I, Bowfinger. And I, I watch that movie at least once a year. It's just Frank Oz directing Steve Martin for the third time at that stage. Uh, Eddie Murphy playing. I, it got cliched with the uh, with the Night Professor stuff, him playing so many different characters and then all, uh, so many different characters all the time. It's kind of a stock in trade. But playing movie star Eddie Murphy and his very shy brother, <laughs> just Jif. So amazing. Uh, and supporting cast, I mean, it's... Uh, Heather Graham, Christine Baranski, uh, oh gosh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert, very, you can't go wrong with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jamie Kennedy is even good in this one. Uh, yeah, just I, I love Bowfinger and and Frank Oz just just and you, you mentioned it, uh, Christian. It's 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 biting, but it's not. And I love movies about Hollywood when they're when they're stabbing at Hollywood. And Steve Martin mm -hmm. did it so well in L.A. Story, just not the business, but just the city of L.A. And Bowfinger was a, just a culmination of that, just across the board, awesome. That is my number one. And um, by the way, before you, before we move on from Bowfinger, yeah. I like the fact that they made Steve Martin a legitimate kind of nasty guy. Yeah, like he was not nice. He and he had some yeah. redemptive qualities, but he was a jerk, and they mm -hmm. didn't shy away from that. I like that about it. I see what you did there, the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah, I mean, that's what I meant. I, <laughs> Horrible. That's a, that's rather surprising that with this murderer's row of movies that year, you know, with Bowfinger. That's yeah. And if we're going according to like our, our last podcast, we had the top move our top albums of '84. The overlap. If we were to pick one out of all of these, what well, what we have? Bowfinger was mentioned by a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Magnolia, 
Matrix. Matrix. And Matrix, and Marty mentioned Phantom Menace. Everyone expected Phantom Menace to sweet, you know, Star Wars, special effects, all that. And then Matrix comes out, it's like, Star Wars what? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> By the way, no one's mentioned The Talented Mr. Ripley, which I've only seen once, but it's an excellent film. And uh, Young Jude Law, Matt Damon, it's, that's, that's a quality drama. Yeah, well. no, that's one definitely to see at least once. Yeah, good call. But I, I was doing comedy only. So again, thank you for that. Just okay. I, I was able to narrow it. I just meant in the general conversation. Like that's a, yeah. a big movie that we didn't even touch on because the yeah. universe is so chock-a-block with good stuff. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to start things off with the things that did not age, perhaps age as well. And we, a couple of people have talked about it, but uh, I couldn't really think of anything. And I, I want to throw back to Christine with uh, Blair Witch Project. I don't think it's through any fault of the movie because found footage to that point wasn't really employed that much that I can, that I can think of. But of course now it's been hackneyed to death and do we blame or thank that? Who knows? But hmm. uh, and, uh, another thing that like working in Hollywood, I was given like a ninth generation VHS of that one, hmm. which made it even freakier to watch and just how poor the yeah. quality was. And it's like, so yeah, I, I, I had to look around uh, the corner quite a bit on that one. <laughs> But the, but that was more of a cultural moment than a movie, honestly. Sure, I, yeah. I remember I went to see it and it was sold out, which was pretty rare at the time. And it made me want to see it five times more. But I also think because it's, you know, it, it can't age well, it didn't age well. And it really kicked off a horrible genre of films. Found footage is terrible and mm -hmm. it's unnecessary. It makes no sense. And there have been a couple of good ones over the years. I think Willow Creek it stands out. Also, the, uh, the taking of Deborah Logan is quite good. I actually, I think I DM'd or Facebook chatted with the director once and told him how good it was. But uh, it's a horrible franchise. But it, it works beautifully because it's so darn cheap. And if you're making a hard movie and you have no budget, you go with it. But for that moment in time, it was special. It was scary. It was weird. And then there was the internet rumor that this actually happened. This was a true story. It all fell together. But it just can't be replicated now. And another, you mentioned Talented Mr. Ripley, another movie none of us have brought up, and I, I've been saving it because of, of the documentary that came from it, Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah. Where, where Jim Carrey, we were able to take him, it's like, well, the Truman Show come, the Truman Show came slightly before that. If, um, yeah, that was 98. Yeah, so we were in, Jim Carrey just coming into his, and just becoming Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And for me, after watching uh, the Netflix documentary in the last few years, um, Jim and uh, Andy, uh, and the great beyond mm -hmm. go back and watch man on the moon after that knowing because jim and jim carrey hasn't been the same since mm -hmm. and, and i like that that, that uh, documentary touches on that and the movie man on the moon already a great film but then just knowing how it jim carrey just hasn't been the same since mm -hmm. so I, I couldn't really come up with a movie that hasn't aged as well that, has, that people haven't already brought up but to me i that just changed my perspective on jim carrey and, and oh, yeah. explaining a little bit more why he's such a, or just just not the uh, sure thing that he was in the all throughout the nineties. I think you could argue that uh, American Pie absolutely could not be made almost in any in any shape or form today. I mean, you'd have like white privilege talked about the fact that they were raunchy and they were sexually charged and and like so I forget who I mentioned before, but there was a sweetness to that movie. Yeah. It was, it, it was a, a really beautiful balance between the R-rated antics and the fact that it was actually tender and it really showed these characters vulnerability. And it was much less about the sex toward the end of the movie than it was about friendships and getting older and you know growing up. It, it, so 
it, it, it fired on a lot of cylinders, not just the pie stuff and everything, but there's a lot of stuff you couldn't do today, which is a shame, of course. Yeah. Just do it. Absolutely. People will come. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go against the grain here on the didn't age well. I forgot to bring it up earlier. This aged very well, and you may not agree with me. Maybe. I don't know. But Eyes Wide Shut, that was kind of a documentary now. <laughs> yep. Way back then, I mean, we're talking, what, 25 years ago, nearly, Um the, this stuff is what's actually happening, and the, uh, just a, 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 I thought it was really well done and uh, really creepier than I thought it would be. Even though you know there's lots of nudity and sexual stuff, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was done really well and uh, <laughs> a little shocked how accurate it was. Mm-hmm. I, I did not like it when I saw it, and, and I think I've seen it once now, and I'm like, is this how we're going to remember this phenomenal director? And maybe I should go back and rewatch it. Yeah. This thing, with what you're saying now, Marty, just it's, revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Most things about getting older suck, but the one thing I do like is when you rewatch movies with a new perspective, with a new appreciation, and, and often how you you change your views on them or you appreciate things you didn't the first time. So it's... It's it's a wonderful part of of getting older and that and kind of going back to films and seeing how they how they land today as opposed to the beginning. Because I, Eric, I'm the same way. When I remember thinking and thinking, ah, oh, this is not this is not the way I want to see him go out. And I didn't I didn't connect with the movie, but I really want to watch it again. Thank you, Marty. You you you've inspired two of us perhaps yeah. on this one. Well, hey, you may hate it again, but <laughs> I'm coming for you, Marty. That's <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a wild movie and just. Uh, really hypnotic in in the tone and mm-hmm. the performances. There's something about it that lulls you in uh, and just makes you follow this this guy's insane journey mm-hmm. through all of this debauchery. And it's something about it. I, maybe because you're seeing it through the, the eyes of this person who's an observer and never really gets involved. It's a very look but don't touch situation for him. Uh, but he's and he's being given just enough moral license to touch if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's 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 not perfect in the way that it. I think it internalizes um, the the character's struggle too much, and you don't really feel it. But uh, but just seeing all of seeing this insane world through his eyes is, I think, a fascinating experience. It's almost like a almost like a uh, an insane roller coaster uh, yeah. uh, ride that that just kind of lulls you along very slowly. Um, but uh, but it does so it does have. A lot of appeal on that on that route it's 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 hard to make heads or tails of what it's trying to say but yeah there's no doubt what you're saying marty you know in terms of what's going been going on in the news lately that it that there's a lot of relevance to so plus if you're a chris plus, isaac fan you gotta see it so oh <laughs> yeah plus more more nudity than showgirls <laughs> and better acting much better <laughs> whoa 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 and now come on yeah. Elizabeth Hurley, There's, come on. Slow down. There's some lines you don't cross. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Gina Gershon fixture we're talking about, man. Come on. <laughs> so, and Jim, uh, and, and any uh, final, final, uh, yeah. final thoughts? Yeah. Um, so my, yeah, my pick for the movie that didn't age well is uh, already been mentioned, but American Beauty. Uh, so I, I went and saw that as, as a, uh, a college kid, a very pretentious young budding movie buff and 
and I went and saw it and just thought it was brilliant and that it was saying all kinds of things about, you know, American society and all these things. And, and, uh, and I convinced my parents to go see it and I don't think they've ever forgiven me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the time I just thought it was this, this brilliant piece of art, but, uh, you know, a few years later, just rewatching it, it's just, it's so pretentious and it's so smug and full of itself. And, uh, you know, there's so many things about it that haven't aged well, uh, and of, of course, Kevin Spacey, I don't think I have to even talk about that. Um, the, the, you know, this, this boring, um, uh, um, you know, pretentious attack on the suburbs that we've seen a million times, um, and, and just, it's completely vapid and, and pointless. And, uh, the idea that, that a man could get any kind of fulfillment by going after a teenager in that way is just absolutely sickening. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was the kind of thing that, that seemed like, like good art when I was 19, but, uh, just, just awful. And just, it's just age awfully. And, uh, uh, yeah, one of those movies that I kind of wish I could unwatch yeah. at this point. Yeah. I, hope, I, hope the, I hope the bag didn't hear those comments. Cause that's, <laughs> I will say there is some great acting in that. I'm glad it launched the career of Wes Bentley and a few other good actors. <laughs> Uh, but uh but as a whole and and i actually did, do remember liking the bag scene back then but uh but uh yeah just on the whole just not age well at all so one of the many reasons i love this woman great comic timing she's on <laughs> well folks there you have it the all over the place top three and a few others from from the year 1999 I once again want to thank Christian Toto, the host of the Hollywood in Toto podcast, and also great columns over there at Hollywood in Toto website. Make sure you check that out. And hey, all over the place, always love having you listen to us, folks, and we will be back real soon. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. If you like what you've been listening to, and you know you have, be sure to share it with friends and family, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever. herein have been the opinions of the hosts, the producer, and the guests only. You have listened at your own risk. 